0: Good morning and welcome to New Church Live. My name is Angela Cooper and I work here at New Church Live and I just want to welcome you all and wish you all a happy 4th of July. Um, We're so happy to celebrate with you all and have you here at church this Sunday. We're actually joined this week by Curtis Childs. Pastor Chuck is taking a much-needed week off. We're always really appreciative of him getting some rest and recharge time. So we're lucky to have Curtis here today to lead us. Um, And along those lines, I just wanted to encourage people to follow Pastor Chuck on social media. We're really encouraging him to use that as a tool lately to engage with you all. You can, you know, see what he's up to. I know this book club that he just offered was really popular see what he's reading see you know all the things that he's doing if he's going to lunch after church we just want to encourage people to um, engage with him on social media and find out ways to you know connect with him and engage with him there so he's on instagram and on facebook and we encourage you to follow him along there Um, The next thing I wanted to mention is that we are doing a beef sponsorship again. Um, For those of you who might be new to New Church Live, a few months ago, we had a local farmer let us know that he, um, you know, he has a, a local beef farm and they butcher, you know, cattle and sell them at a quarter cow intervals. And he wants to sell that meat to us at cost to donate it to a local food distribution center. So we have a parishioner who uh, who runs uh, Helping Hands in Northeast, and they're going to distribute the beef to local food pantries, which is really needed right now. There's a lot of food insecurity and getting high quality, really, um, you know, quality beef is something that's really important and really needed. So he let us know that it's a great time to do that again. And we wanted to sponsor a quarter or a half cow and distribute it to to some local food pantries. So if you're interested in getting involved in that initiative, um, all you have to do is actually use our regular donations um, tool to do that. And you just select the community service tab when you do that. And I will know that that's what it's for. So all you have to do is text the word new church live to 77977, and you can make a donation. And like I said, just click that community service tab and we'll know that, that it's going towards that beef sponsorship. And we're, hoping that we can support, you know, at least a quarter to a half cow and get it to some local um, food food, um, uh, pantries. And we also wanted to maximize that gift. We wanted to um, donate you know, larger than just this geographic region. So we are also going to match every dollar that we raise and we're going to be giving it to Heifer International, which is an international organization that helps farmers and communities, you know, through grassroots, you know, they donate, Uh, livestock and they help farmers. They do some training and they help them learn how to, you know, help themselves and get themselves out of poverty. And it really makes a huge impact on communities that they serve. So New Church Live is going to match every dollar that we raise for this local beef uh, sponsorship and donate it to Heifer International to really have a big impact and, you know, lift people out of poverty. So we're really excited about this initiative. And if you want to get involved, um, it's super easy. You just use the same donation tools that we have. You can use it on our website or through our text to give feature and you can make a donation. Um, And all the information for everything is on our website and our Facebook page. So if you want more information about it, you can get it there. The last thing I want to mention is just the regular old donations. We are so appreciative of everybody who supports New Church Live and using our online donation is really the best way to support New Church Live. So we really encourage people to do that. We're at the beginning of our fiscal year, which is really exciting, and we really encourage people to think about supporting New Church Live and all the things that happen here are online streaming, community service f- efforts, uh, the band, um, small groups, the book club the Pastor Chuck is, is doing, you know, the free books that we sent all around the country. It's just a really great way to support all of the operations here at New Church Live. So if you want to do that, you can go to our website and you can donate, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, to 77977, and you can make a donation or set up a reoccurring donation, which is really the best way to support New Church Live throughout the whole year. So thank you all for being here, and we're going to have our first song, and then we'll have uh, Curtis out here to lead you all today. So thank you all. Welcome to New Church Live.
1: All right. We're here now. And today we're going to talk about declaring spiritual independence. And when I was writing sort of what would be the, the... what is that called, the tagline or the subheading for this, I was going to say, we're going to find out today what's real spiritual independence. But that's actually hedging it too much because I would argue that spiritual independence is real independence. So today we're trying to probe the question of what is real independence? Because you can have physical independence. You can have external independence. Let's say I'm saying, well, you're causing all these problems for me. I'm going to get independent from you. But then if you take your independence and go cause problems for someone else, where did we get? So what we're looking at here is what's the spirit that's driving all of us within independence? And I would argue that there is one, there are all these different movements for independence uh, among people, but there's one comprehensive Uh, the epitome of independence. That's a human race-wide thing, and that's spiritual independence, and that's what we're going to look at today. So today we're going to declare spiritual independence, or I'm going to do it. (laughs) You don't have to, because then you're not really independent from me, are you? So let's look at some fireworks, because I do feel like I got to see some fireworks, last night, luckily like where our front yard is, you can actually see the Bernathan fireworks show right from there, so I didn't have to go very far, which I like, and when you see that picture, I do get this surge of like, yeah, independence, I wanna do that, that sounds fun, and and really like if you're gonna have to declare something, independence is, is got a distinctly different vibe from other stuff that can be declared. Like if, you're, if your significant other says I've got something To declare to you. You're not excited. When you're at the airport and they say, do you have anything you want to declare? I'm like, no, I hope not. I I hope I don't have anything. I remember one time I was supposed to go to another country and the guy who was bringing me there wanted me to bring some books along to sell at this conference. And I was like, I don't want to do that because then you have to like declare them. And I don't know if I'm allowed to, but declaring independence. Yeah. That sounds great. It just sounds good. But the problem is, declaring spiritual independence, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know what that would even look like. What are you getting independent from? So today we're going to go on this journey of investigating what is spiritual independence and how do we decide if we want to declare it and what would declaring it look like? So since it is the 4th of July in the United States, I thought we could, if we're looking at how do we declare spiritual independence, probably a good place to start is to look at a template of one of the most famous declarations of independence in history. And I was, this is the, the document itself. And I was looking at it, and it's segments. That There's a little preamble in there. But then there is this vision presented, and then there is this why we need to declare this thing in the first place. So I want to take you through those pieces of it so that we can start to see, is there a framework in here for our own spiritual declaration of independence? Maybe there's not. I don't know. I haven't looked over this stuff. Okay, let's take a look at the first piece of that. So this, probably the most famous part of it, one of the more famous documents in the last hundred, couple hundred years, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, we're casting a vision here. We're saying, hey, this, why do we need to do anything? Why do we need to agitate? Why do we need to shift the stasis that we're in right now? Because look, remember, we're all people. This could be great. That to secure these rights, governments are... Insti- now we're getting into the, like, that's the vision of the institution of government? That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Just remember what it's all about that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So it's, look, we can end up safe, we can end up happy, we can end up with everybody having these rights and being free. This is casting the vision, okay? So if we are going to declare spiritual independence, we got to have some kind of vision. Where do we want life to get to that's worth breaking out of whatever it is we're in right now spiritually? Okay, then the next part is the why. And I gotta, do I look like I'm a historical scholar or anything? No, I I hadn't really (laughs) read this document very much, if ever. So it was fascinating to me, delving in there for this, just how much of it is dedicated to laying out what's going wrong. This is what the problem, this is why we're doing this, so you can't say, why are you doing this? We're telling you why we're doing this. So, this next part, yeah, this is is the why prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. So we're saying, we're, we're reasonable here. We're not just doing this to do it. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they're accustomed, which is like systems resist change systems always resist change. There's actually a field of psychiatry or psychology that's called systems theory. Again, do I look like a psychiatrist? But I know a little bit that one of the principle, or one of the tenets in there is that systems resist change. And when you try to disrupt the system, you get a backlash. But when a long, so this is again, like, we're only doing this for reasonable reasons, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. Which is essentially saying, like, you made us do it. We had to do it. And then, after that, so you're saying, look, life can be better than this. We've got to do something and this is why. And then this whole next section, that whole yellow box in there, is just line by line calling out, these are problems with what's going on. These are problems with what's going on. So I am not an expert on, I, I'm just like laying out all the things I'm not an expert on for all of you. to. So I'm, you can say I'm not doing an appeal to authority. There's, I'm not an expert on 1700s, U, U.S. colonies, British relations. I don't know if all of... I know I'm old enough to know there are two sides to every story. I went to London a few times. People there seemed nice. It could have all been a misunderstanding. But for this exercise in this little church service today, let's just take them at their word that there was all these things that, couldn't, that were just not good happening. In here, there's things like oh, that that the, the laws were unjust and that there was actually, there were shady tactics being employed to keep people from getting to participate and all kinds of problems. So you laid out all these problems. So this is how you declare independence, is to do that. So essentially, the core feeling that I could see behind all of this was people saying, with all of the trouble that this is causing, why are we a part of this? If our relationship with the British monarchy is causing us all these problems, why are we in it? Why are we under it? We, we don't want to do that. What are we getting out of this? Why are we... Loyal to this. That was the question, or that was the feeling, that was the burning fire that was in them. Okay, so in the context of that sort of emotional and then intellectual template, let's ask what is spiritual independence? I would think if you're looking for independence on a spiritual level, not worldly things are like a metaphor for spiritual things. So we can look at worldly independence and what drives people to want it and what it looks like to try to get it and what conditions make it necessary and apply that then to spiritual independence to try to learn about it. So when I look at that example we just had of spiritual independence, it's got these three elements to it. Uh, Yeah, can we pull up the next slide? So you have to have, there's some kind of problematic regime, right? There's something that has power that is making life worse than it could be. Then there is the actual declaration itself, like the, the action you can take to separate yourself from it. And then there's the vision of the better life. Why are we doing this? What, what do we hope to get by this that's, that's better than what we have here? So, where can we possibly go to get those elements for a spiritual independence movement? We don't have anybody to famously declare. You can't go to museums and see where there's a spiritual independence document written. Although I would argue you've probably already all read one many times, it's just not always seen as that. I think the place we look where we find our declaration of spiritual independence is actually in the Sermon on the Mount, which this is a famous painting of that, that there, this is the first, if you're not familiar with it, is the first major sermon that Jesus gives. And you're probably very familiar with all kinds of quotes from it. Most famous, I should say, a lot of really famous quotes from Jesus Christ come out of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's this beginning to him really speaking to people when he's come into his power and his authority. And in there, I would argue that we get this two-part two Declaration of independence. So as we're gonna so we've got this framework loaded into us. We know what independence looks like. We know that it's gotta have these certain elements in it. We know that we're gonna get this template from Jesus, probably get a vision. What are the so if we're looking at spiritual independence, what are the grievances that we have? I mean, why are you why are we in church? Why are we studying religious things in our lives in the first place? It must be because there's some sense of oh, things could be better. And if you're thinking about spiritually, what is this? Where do we feel the spirit? Where do we interact with the spirit? It's in the way we think about life and the way we feel. I mean, The heart and the mind is the direct contact point from the spirit, from God. And in there, if I start to apply it to that, I start to think about, well, what in me would I like to be free from? that suddenly starts to become really tangible and really real. What patterns of thought, what patterns of feeling, what what things in me do I want to be free from? So as we start to gear up to declare our spiritual independence, maybe start to think of your list of grievances. If you were going to write out the things you want to be free from in in your heart, in your mind, in your life, everyone's got different ones, but it's pretty universal that we're all trying to move past things. What would it be? What, what would you, if you were going to declare independence from, the th- from some negative stuff in your spirit, why are you doing it? And what do you hope to get out from, under, f- from underneath of? So I don't want you to take that, to take all your mental energy while you're hearing this great song, but maybe just in the back of your mind, let that start to percolate. And we think, okay, why? What is it in the Spirit that we do need to get out and declare independence from? And then when we get back, we'll go through that Sermon on the Mount and uh, see how Jesus tells us how to do it. So that song is a perfect example of the kind of spiritual independence that we're yearning for. Because in that song, you get this beautiful picture of, oh, there's she, she needs wide open spaces. How often do you feel like you're in wide open spaces versus crammed in by concerns and crammed in by anxiety and fear, cram- crammed in by negative stuff? And when, you're, when, you're he- when we're singing, she needs wide open spaces, we're not really talking about it's got to be a big field. She's gotta have not a lot of hills around her. She's gotta not have, right? It's it is wide open spaces inside of us. That that is a physical picture of a spiritual thing. So there we have this universal human recognition that, look, we want that kind of freedom. Because you can be, you could be on some road trip in a very nice, wide open space, but you could be miserable because you're thinking about. What this person said to you, or how your this isn't going to happen, right for you. You can be in small spaces inside of wide open spaces. So let's figure out how can we get access. How can you get wide open uh, spaces on on demand? And this is what I think we're getting out of this. So we have these uh, two independences that Jesus declares two declarations of independence that I want to pull out of the Sermon on the Mount. And there's probably a lot more on there, but these are the ones that really struck me because they get really clearly at the two places that I think we are the most under tyrannical spiritual influence. And we want to begin with what's called the Beatitudes. And you probably, even if you don't recognize that name, you probably recognize this. So imagine you were hearing this for the first time. And this is, like I said, this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I love the the lead-in line to this. For some reason, I just find it so exhilarating. It's like, oh, your favorite band just played the first note at their concert, like you can't even see them on the stage, but you know, oh, they're coming out. We've been waiting a long time. So I'll just start at the beginning of the chapter. This is Matthew 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. This is my sentence. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. They could just said that he taught them, but something about, okay, he came, he's got this mission, and now the mouth is open, and it's coming. And this is what he says, and you've probably heard it before, but pretend you never heard it before. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? No, the poor is what we're trying to not be. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're going to give the kingdom of heaven to the poor in spirit. But that's counterintuitive. That's not how things go. Next. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But I don't think <laughs> you keep using this word, blessed. I don't. Do you know what that means? No, that's the. Uh, you're saying something is good about this negative, these states that we're trying to avoid. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek don't seem blessed in gym class. What do you mean? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, okay, for they shall obtain mercy. Does that come with that? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, I got that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted is the opposite of what I want to be. And he's saying, blessed are all these conditions. So what's he doing here? You're saying the opposite of what I thought life was. That You are going against... I believe that if things are going poorly, I need to try to get out of that, that I need to be afraid. If I had to sum up his declaration of independence, I would say we'd introduce these three elements that we had before. So what's the, what is he declaring independence from? I, so this is my interpretation of it. We're declaring independence from things seeming bad. When things seem bad. Because here he's saying, blessed are when, when you mourn, when you're hungry and thirsty, when you're poor in spirit, when you're persecuted. Isn't that when in life you say, oh no, this I have gotten into the wrong spot here. The last thing I am is blessed, which is, we use it colloquially to mean everything's going great. You say, hashtag blessed, everything's going great. And what's his declaration? Because it's not just he says, you're fine. He gives us a condition. He says, don't worry if you're mourning, you're going to be comforted. Don't worry if you're hungry and thirsty, you're going to get what you need. He's essentially saying, if this state of worry is what we're declaring independence from, it's we don't need to worry because this is leading to good. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That I'm telling you that what you think is this fearful dead end is not. That actually you can be free of the weight of that burden of thinking "I'm, I'm forgotten here in this part of my life. And the vision that he's presenting there, which is absolutely different than the regime in the heart and the mind, which is saying... How often is is your critical inner voice saying, You're in trouble? You know, that this is, you're, you're not doing this well, this is not going well, you need to be worried about this. And he's essentially saying here, we're all totally taken care of. That even the meek, even the people who you think of oh, the life kind of forgot them or they they can't hack it, know that they're they're gonna be fine. They're gonna ha- they're gonna have the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus here, in my mind, is declaring independence against fear. Against anxiety. Against concern for how things are going to turn out. You don't even think of that as, oh yeah, I have been living my life completely Uh, under this regime that is trying to get me to always worry about how things are going to turn out. I spent my whole life doing that. When I was young, I was worried. Oh, do I have enough friends? Did I do that? Did I do some kind of social mistake there? Then you get older, and what... Oh, am I going to... Are the kinds of bad things that have happened going to happen again? Am I going to get a good job Oh no, this am I gonna get sick? And every time I'll worry about this thing and worry about it, and then when it doesn't happen and it turns out fine, you'd think, right, because you got this relationship with your worry machine, which is supposed to be it's help, it's claiming that it's there helping you, saying, Look, I'm just trying to help you navigate your life and teach you that, you know, to be careful of things and alert you of incoming danger. But then as soon as the thing that you were telling me. I needed to really worry about, and it really made me miserable for a long time. It didn't happen. Instead of us relaxing and feeling great, now you're saying, we'll worry about the next thing. I didn't even think of that, but wait, wait a second. What am I getting out of this relationship with, with all this worry? I'm just like the uh, Declaration of Independence people. Wait, wait a second. Why, why am I loyal to this thing? What am I... Getting out of it. And this is the message of God. You've probably heard that fear not is the most common command in the Bible by a a landslide. This is the declaration of independence that really the whole of Scripture, but particularly here, that Jesus is giving to us, is like you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in concern. Um, you know, there's all these other Jesus quotes popping to mind. That you know, which of you by worrying can add to your height? Even the hairs of your head are numbered. There is so much effort that God is putting into trying to liberate us, get us independent from this force of worry. Whatever you want to call it, the the crown. Okay, but that's just one. There's more independence to come. And this is the counterpart to that. Because it's not the problem that we're all facing is not just fear and anxiety and worry. There's this other side to it as well. And this is actually, I believe, the most powerful declaration that maybe Jesus ever gives. So this is in 38. Again, greatest hits, you may have heard it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Again, we're subverting expectations. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek Turn the other one to him also. <laughs> Think if you were hearing that for the first time. What? That? No. That is the exact opposite. I'll read the rest before I really chew on just how radical that is. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile go with him too give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away you have heard that it was said and this is maybe the most famous way it's ever put and the most potent and this is this is some wisdom you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say to you love love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven Don't love your enemies. If somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. <laughs> it's, it's so, it seems crazy. Well, think about if I was up here during like the rehearsal area, and let's say that the like, band was practicing, and Marcus was, uh, was up there doing the sound, and I was trying to rehearse here, and, and like I stepped on his shoe, and he slapped me. And I was just like, okay, here's the other one. Like, you, sure, I mean, it could make for a couple of dramatic scenes, but are you really going to be able to thrive in life like that? It's just so counterintuitive. It's so against, like, the eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth. This is just how it is. It's how you protect yourself. It's how you set boundaries. It is like, the, isn't it the foundation of human civilization? How? isn't it kind of what rules us? So is Jesus Christ somehow asking us to declare independence from hating our enemies? Okay, so if I were to pull up the elements again, I would say, what's he declaring independence from? Uh, Revenge, the fear-based, like don't, don't fear an evil person. I would say the impact of evil. Because of all these things that he's describing, people that want to um, sue you and slap you and do all kinds of negative things, he's saying, you, don't, you, you thought you had to retaliate in kind. But I'm telling you, you don't have to do that. And it seems like the declaration is, you don't have to worry about protecting yourself which I'm still a little on the fence about. And it seems like the vision that he's casting is that there is a world in which we can respond to hatred and to attack with love. Which sounds good, but I don't get how you would do it plausibly. So how can we really declare that independence in a way that's going to give us any kind of viable future. And this is where we get a really cool insight from new church theology. This is from Secrets of Heaven number 8223, which is talking about what is the meaning? The spiritual meaning. How do you read that spiritually? Because naturally, like physically that's that's How long are you going to go? Are you actually asking us to if somebody comes and is trying to steal your wallet, you give them your phone? How are you going to feed your family? So how are we to understand that and read that? How is this a a realistic declaration of independence? Secrets of Heaven 8223. Indeed, the good... So we're talking about people who are in a state of goodness, like the state we're trying to get to. The good do not wish the evil, and people who are in a state at that time of doing some of these things Jesus is talking about, do not wish the evil any harm. Okay, do not wish the evil any harm, but they cannot take away from them the misery of punishment because they are held intent on good exactly like a judge when he sees a wrongdoer being punished. And we're kind of coming into the middle of the conversation, so I'll give you a little bit of the context of what that means. So the big question is, when you hear Jesus saying, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, is, well, some of my enemies uh, are trying to do things that are going to be really destructive of me. Do I actually, like, never, if somebody steals from you, they're not, they don't, there's no judicial system, there's no, there's no law enforcement, there's no way to stop People from doing harmful things to each other. He's saying, "No, you can actually be acting in the spirit of love." Like a judge, a judge can be looking at someone and saying, "Look, I've I, you you did this thing, and I know I've I've um, seen a lot of these cases, and and if if we don't enact some kind of consequences here, there's no chance that you're gonna." snap out of that, I also know that I have to protect the next person, but the good do not wish the evil any harm. He's setting up the difference between next, after this ellipses here, the difference between you have heard it was said of old, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, and what Jesus is calling us to the evil who carry out punishment act from an inordinate desire to do ill whereas the good act from a fondness for doing good so if we break it down into us and let's say somebody does something and it needs a reaction either we can be doing it because we're desiring to hurt them back they hurt us so we're going to hurt them back eye for an eye tooth for a tooth or You're acting from a fondness for doing good. From all this, one may see what should be understood by the Lord's words in Matthew quoted above about loving one's enemy and about the law of retaliation, which the Lord did not set aside but opened up. That is to say, he explained that those governed by heavenly love should take no delight in any act of retaliation or revenge, but in doing good what is what makes something the nature of something spiritual is your intent in it and why you're there in the first place so if somebody does something let's say somebody attacks me in some way let's say that they insult me or they do something that i think is harmful and i've got to react what i'm what jesus is saying is don't don't respond out of evil you can respond out of love the response is there but you can be saying look i my the reason i'm in this is not the like the joy of i got you back you tried to humiliate me and then i said something funnier and everybody laughed at you and now you're feeling the pain you were trying to cause me and that's awesome that the the love your enemies is to say, and this is not an easy thing to do. This is why you're taking up the cross and bearing it. But it's like when somebody does says that thing to you, maybe you've got to retaliate in some way. But it's not. I'm not there for the joy of the revenge. I am there because I'm thinking about the the joy of the protecting of those people who need to be protected, and eventually eventually thinking about, okay, how can I get you to stop doing this evil stuff? Because that's harmful for you too. And I, what I would love as you, you being my enemy, who, I'm, who Jesus is telling me I have to love, I want to eventually try to help you get out of that and start you know, living the life that, that we're called to live, a life of love and service and joy. So what I see Jesus declaring here is real spiritual independence, which I want to put here as real spiritual independence is independence from hell. And the way that New Church Theology defines hell is that hell is when we are in a state where we enjoy doing what is harmful to other people. That's that's what makes hell. So what Jesus is saying is, don't If somebody else is, if there's evil coming in from whatever, in whatever way and trying to harm you, don't, don't eye for an eye at, right? There, there is this regime over all of us that says, look, if you, if somebody messes with you, you've got to get them back. If somebody is not giving you what you want, you've you've got to act on this defensive ego laden nature that we all have. And, and don't worry, you'll this is the best way to live your life because you'll crush the people that bother you and all this stuff. Is that a happy life? Am I happier that I, you know, feel indignant and that I feel defensive and that I feel underneath it scared? I mean, is that, what am I getting out of this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth way of life that I have been living, that I've just been under for all this time. Well, why am I there? I'm feeling like, wait a second, that it makes my relationships worse when I feel like I've gotta go tit for tat and get them back. It makes my job worse when I feel like I, when I'm walking into every situation worried about what if somebody's gonna somehow not like what I do or insult me or something like that. And it's causing me to be lonely and bitter to look at the world and, and kind of, be th- feel threatened by all these entities that i think are against me Wh- wait a second why am i a part of this thing why why am i paying tribute to this system and along comes jesus in the sermon on the mount and elsewhere and says guess what there's a vision there is a better way that we can be where these two things, these two sort of empires that we're under, all the fear and anxiety that plague us all the time because we don't really understand the care and the presence of God and how, how carefully we are all being uh, watched out for. And then there is the tyranny of our own, of our ego and of our, you know, of the... Eye for an eye, spirit inside of all of us, and to get independence from those things because it really you can really just feel like I, I don't even want to care about the I don't I've been turning over what this person said in my head for hours. They're they're gone and I'm still getting revved up about. I don't even want to be doing this. I I I am being occupied by this thing and I don't want to be here. Yeah. I would like independence from that. So if we're declaring spiritual independence today, just know that, that that independence from the fear and and revenge and everything that's negative, that is the spiritual independence that, that everyone in the human race can work towards. And that if anyone gets that independence, it's good for everyone because the more that any of us get free from this regime the more we can help the next person get free the next person get free the next person get free and i feel like in me that feels like fireworks that is so exciting that i i could actually be in a place where that that vision is possible that jesus is talking about where where when people when you know just like i offend people when people offend me that i, that I know that they could respond to me with love and I can respond to them with love even if love has to have boundaries and everything it has in it but I would know in my heart that I that you know I'm called to to treat you as a human no matter what and I know that they're going to do the same that is a country that is a world that I would love to to live in and be a part of and celebrate so I think Whatever we do with the kinds of governments that we make and the kinds of countries and places to live that we get, it's all going to come down to, you know, where, where, do we all have that independence inside of us? And can we can we truly come into that with the kind of freedom that love brings and the freedom that, that we're being called to, to pursue? All right, so let's... Um, Take a moment here to reflect on that and maybe ask God to bring some of that spiritual independence, that that freedom, the yoke being easy and the burden light into our lives. So I want to say in the Sermon on the Mount, I better make sure of this, but I'm pretty sure this is where he introduces, yeah, the Lord's Prayer is introduced in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. So I think it's appropriate, maybe uh, we can just, I'll say it, if you want to say it along with me, or any silent prayer that's in your heart. Uh, I see this as, again, speaking to that freedom. So let's take a minute to pray here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just feel that that same calling all through those words and I think you can find it today in, in everyone you interact with is just looking to like hey let's get free together so thank you that was a, that was cool to get to think about that and now let's let it sink in with some music and take it out and uh, shoot, shoot those fireworks of love off into the world today